Well, y'all agree with me in prayer? Let's pray over this word. It's one of those words that can really help people out there, but it's also coming against the prevailing um, strongman, if you will, in America. So it's one of those things I'd really appreciate you agreeing with me in prayer. So Lord, we, we pray over the word of God tonight. And we thank you for the awesome power of your word. Fathers, we come to you through the name, the blood of the lamb. We come to you in the name of Jesus, through his blood. We agree together as a church that you would settle upon me with a fresh anointing and speak through me, Lord, your word. And it will go forth as living seeds of truth that are sown out in a good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives all over. That your Holy Spirit even now prepare people. Those, those that are hearing it live, those that will hear it. And maybe people hear this a year from now. But Lord, I pray that you would even right now prepare the Holy Spirit with fill where people are and give help everybody to be good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives anoint our eyes and our ears to be able to see and hear that we can see what we didn't see before and we can hear what the holy spirit is saying <clears throat> and lord i ask you that as you speak through me that this will go out the winds of your spirit will carry this out among the nations everywhere it needs to go and that your mighty angels watch over your word but let it be planted into the hearts and minds of the people, Lord. Your true word, your pure word, watered by the Spirit of God that will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, let your word shine forth like a bright light that will dispel all the darkness, all the lies, all the deception, all the evil of Satan's kingdom, and just clear that out and bring truth and revelation to people. Lord, let your word be a mighty hammer. Everybody's in agreement. That will break down the strongholds of the devil. Lies, deceptions, things that have been locked up in people's minds. That's things that may be a hardened heart. Strongholds in the spirit realm. To shatter those. Or let it be a sword that penetrates and gets where it needs to go. To, to cut through the darkness and pierce. And Lord, we thank you. Let there be a washing of the water of your word. Let there be a cleansing of your people. And Lord, I pray for your people to be brought to full maturity and perfect unity of the faith, every joint supplying. And Lord, that you would speak through me tonight with boldness and faith, and this will go forward and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do. We agree together, we bind the devil. Any, any satanic force that would try to hinder this word, we bind you in the name of Jesus. We break your power, command you to back off right now. And Lord, let this go forth in power under a mighty anointing. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name, amen. All right, when God gave me this series, Mikdash, you know, it means sanctuary. Man, I tell you, God usually gives me things like a big giant download and it just filters out into different sermons and I have to document everything and that's kind of how this came. And so I've just been gradually preaching what God's given me and I've had this on the docket for a long time, but this was the night God had laid on my heart to, to bring it forth. And it's interesting because I already had this in my spirit so strong, I already had it typed up and printed out and everything at the beginning of this week and ready to go. So, all right, this is going to deal with spiritual authority. And this is something that is very much a problem in America. I could probably preach this in some other nations and it would be more readily received. But in America, because of the prevailing strongman being a rebellious spirit, it's important people know that. Um, it is not something that would necessarily be readily received by everybody. But I'm still going to preach it because it's the word of God. And it's what God's laid on my heart. 
and I believe that this is the word of the Lord for tonight. And so I just ask everybody to give me your best ear. This is not um, you know, directed at any person, obviously. It's just going out there to the nations, whoever hears this. But all of us need to examine ourselves about spiritual authority. And this is a huge problem in America. And I remember just recently, I met with a pastor friend that I really love. And, and he, he's been in the ministry for probably, you know, over 50 years. I've been in the ministry over 20 years. But he said something that, that really answered a question I'd had. I didn't, when I had this question, it wasn't a question that I put into words. It was more of a, a great concern and not really understanding things that I had seen for a period of time. Seeing people respond the wrong way, seeing things happen over a long period of time. And I just had this nagging concern question, if you will, within me. And I prayed before we talked and and obviously God just used him to speak this to me, but it answered the question. And this is what he told me. He said that, these are his words, not mine, but he said that it's not really possible to pastor people in America anymore like it used to be. Now this is somebody that's been in the ministry for 50 years or more. And he's seen the change. He said that by and large, most churches are, feel like they're a democracy. And he said that basically there's so much rebellion that if a pastor has to deal with a sinner or deal with something that's not right, he said a lot of times the people will rally with the sinner and come against the pastor. But he said it's such, it's such a rebellion. And it, he began to talk about some of the things he's seen in, in churches and in America and what he's, what he's concerned about in our nation. And um, if you know, if you'll understand what, it, what this is saying about Laodicea. But the Bible says the spirit of this present age. And he was saying in that context that the spirit of Laodicea is very strong right now. And those that are familiar with that, you know it's talking about the spirit of Laodicea would be like lukewarmness and backsliding and worldliness and things not being right in the church. And so that, that does seem to be an issue. But... The truth of the matter is, once we become Christians, we really no longer have the excuse we used to have because we have the Bible and we have the Holy Spirit. And God didn't expect us to be perfect, but what God does expect us to is when he teaches us something that we repent. Did y'all hear what I said? God does expect us that once we learn the truth out of his word that we repent. And it is expected. We will give an account for what we know. And so tonight I'm going to bring this, and um, I believe this will help a lot of people. But let's start with this, a spiritual covering versus rebellion. And Hebrews 13, 17 says to obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch over your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. So the Bible says to obey those that rule over you. He's talking about the church world here. We're living in a time where there's so much rebellion and you know, some will say, well, why is there such rebellion? I believe it's a sign of the times. I believe we're living in the latter days and it's pride is what it is. When you look at the end time scenario and you read about it, you can't help but see that pride is gonna be a big issue. To the degree that even in the book of Revelation, the the antichrist system 
is described as this beast with seven heads and ten horns. And there's another horn that comes up, the Antichrist, but seven heads and ten horns. But you can't help but think of Leviathan. And what I'm getting at is that there's going to be the world system is going to become very prideful. The people of the world are very prideful. It's already there. I shouldn't say it will happen. It, it already has happened. And so that pride leads to rebellion, just like Lucifer. What turned Lucifer to Satan was pride that led to rebellion. It's an iniquity that's within people. And this is something that has unfortunately bled into the church world. And there's so much pride that now everybody feels like everybody should just have a say-so, everybody's opinion. Have you looked at society in the last 10 years shaking your head going, why is everybody a big crybaby now? Why is everybody's feelings hurt about every little thing? Why is everybody offended by every little thing? Why, why are people so rebellious? It's, it's rooted in pride. Hear what I'm saying? Everything I just described comes out of pride. It's people that say, I want it the way I want it, when I want it. It's about me, me, me. Pride. And that makes people very selfish, extremely self-centered, arrogant, and they, it's all about them. And unfortunately, instead of going against that and being a counterculture, any church that is going to just give people what they want and cater to that is growing leaps and bounds. Hello? Let me say that again. Any church now that's going to cater to that in society, that pride. It's about me, me, me. It's what I want, how I want it, when I want it. It's all about me. People that are catering to that in this present age are really growing. It's a sign of the times. It's a spirit of Leviathan, which I'm not going to preach on tonight, but just to mention that it's very prideful. And out of pride comes rebellion. And the voice of rebellion, even though people may not actually say these words, this is what's in their heart. Somebody that has a rebellion issue has an attitude that nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, and when I want to do it, and ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. That's rebellion. And it's rooted in a, a pride in people. And so this is kind of what I'm dealing with today. I'd appreciate those that love the word of God. Maybe give me an amen every once in a while. <laughs> this is not fun to preach on things like this. But when, when you get to a place, the Lord crucified that in me a long time ago. I love everybody, but I think you know that I love everybody, but I don't really care about that anymore. I just preach what God gives me and let the chips fall. Amen. <laughs> anyway. So obey those that rule over you. Oh, that's popular, isn't it? Right. We see that everywhere. Well, anyway, um, but here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus submitted to authority. Jesus fully submitted to his father. And here's the thing about Jesus that's so awesome. When the centurion came to Jesus, you can look these scriptures up yourself, okay? But when the centurion came to Jesus, he recognized Jesus as a man of authority. And he came there with a sincere need in his life that he had someone that was sick that needed to be healed. 
and Jesus was going to go do it, and, and he recognized authority in Jesus. He said to Jesus this. If I can paraphrase, he said, Jesus, I, rec I recognize you as a man of authority, and I understand that. Because I myself, as a centurion, I am under authority. I take orders. I obey those that are over me. But I also have people under my authority. And I recognize in you, Jesus, that you're a man of authority. You understand authority because you're under God the Father. You're under his authority. And because of that, what you say happens. So you don't have to come to my house. There's no need to bother you. I'm not worthy of that. If you just say the word, it'll happen. And Jesus was astonished. He said, man, I have not seen any faith like this in all of Israel. He said, you go. It's done. And that very hour, his servant was healed. So Jesus is under authority. I'll come back to that. To have authority, you have to be under authority in the kingdom. Everybody understand that? For you and I to walk in any kind of true authority whatsoever, we have to learn to be under authority and not be rebellious. God will never trust authority to somebody that's a rebel because they can't handle it. They, they themselves cannot come under authority, so they cannot be entrusted with any authority until they learn that. If you look at the life of David, David did for spiritual authority what Abraham did for faith. And for David to be able to have the great authority that he had, God had to do a deep work in David. And one of the many things that God did in David was he allowed him to be under a very oppressive man by the name of Saul. Probably nobody in the sound of my voice has had an authority figure that truly tried to hunt you down and kill you there may be one person that hears this like i did you know but i mean that's probably pretty rare but david had to run for many years from a very oppressive but david had such an honor of saul's authority the anointing on saul's life even though he was a very evil man a murderer he went to a witch he was not a godly man that David so honored that man's authority and the anointing on his life that he said, I will not touch, his, I will not touch God's anointed. David had opportunities to kill him and didn't. As a matter of fact, one time David had had enough and went down and cut the corner of his garment, which might have been a, like a tassel, like a, a tzitzit, you know, from a tallit type of thing. But nonetheless, he cut the corner of his garment and when Saul saw him later, he held it up and said, look, I could have killed you. But God so smit David's heart about that. He was smitten with conviction that he even cut his garment, that he repented and asked God's forgiveness. David was not going to take matters in his own hand and rebel against Saul because God put Saul there. David was going to let Saul, he, David was going to let God deal with Saul. And when it was his time, David would come to power. Does that make sense? David wasn't going to take matters in his own hand and be a rebel. And that was why God could entrust David with great authority because David was somebody that understood how to be under authority. And God put David in an extreme circumstance to be protected. So we see that 
just like Psalm 133, the anointing went from Aaron's head down his beard, down to his garments. We see that when you're properly under authority, that there is a downflow of authority and anointing that will be at work through your life because you're connected to kingdom authority. But people that refuse to do that, even though they may go to church, they may not only are they a Christian, but they honestly go to church, but they're not really under authority. They, they're not somebody that understands authority. They don't really honor authority. They don't really come under authority. But people that, that really do come under authority, there is a downflow through them of an anointing that's greater than what they are and greater than their own personal anointing. There'll be an anointing flowing from the headship. One of the anointings on River of Life, if you will, is that of revival. And there have been a couple times, I can't help but tell stories, but I'm gonna be extremely vague if I can. But there's been a couple times where people that were connected that there was a major move of the spirit but when they got rebellious and they got a wrong spirit about them it dried up so to have authority and to have a flow of authority and anointing there has to be a proper alignment under authority another thing is is to be protected God has put authority in place for protection See, people reap what they sow. And people that, that are dishonoring to their authority, disrespectful, however they go about it, you'll find that a lot of times they're reaping that in their life. They'll reap it in their children. They'll reap it in their household. They'll reap it in their own ministry where they're disrespected themselves. But it's because they're disrespectful to others. Now they're reaping it. But protection. Protection is awesome under this authority that God's given us a lot of people have become I say this with a very heavy heart but a lot of people have become vulnerable to the principalities and powers because they're not properly covered and they have an open door for satanic attack in their life they're really being attacked and it's because they're not under authority they're not covered and it's available to everybody. So let me just kind of go through this. And I think as I do, this will make more sense. Because I really want people to be protected. I, I, you know, as a pastor, you're willing to get up and preach uncomfortable sermons. I joked around. One time I, I preached on sex because God told me to. Well, how many knows that's not the most comfortable sermon to preach? <laughs> and I joked with my wife and daughter because they, um, they had a wedding they had to go to. And I was like, man... Sandy and Brianna found out that I was having to preach on sex and they just skipped town. They didn't even want to have to be here. To, but, but that sermon would liberate people that have been in bondage in that area. This sermon can be very li liberating. Once you know the truth, the truth can set you free. Once we apply the word, you see, the word is a sword and it will cut through. All right, so 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. And the man is the head of a woman. And God is the head of Christ. So there we have the down, you know, you have God the Father. 
who is the ultimate headship. Then you have under him, you have Christ. And I don't see where Jesus in any way feels like, well, you know, who's he to be over me? I don't see Jesus having a problem with that. You know, humility helps everybody just to find their place and who God created us to be, and we're just okay with that. We're just okay with it. I am who God created me to be, and I'm going to be humble and be under authority and be where God put me. I'm not going to try to be something I'm not. That's pride. And um, anyway, I could rabbit trail, but I won't. But Jesus doesn't have a problem with that. He's under his Father's authority. When he was on the earth, he said, I do only what I see my Father doing. I speak what I hear him speaking. Everything he did was under authority. And because of that, he operated in great authority and great power. If Jesus had been rebellious, it wouldn't have been like that. Ephesians 1.22. So let me go back to this. So you got from the Father to the Son. Then you've got from Jesus over the church. He's the headship of male authority. But then you have male authority that God has invested, say, over the church and over the family. You have the husband over a family. You have a pastor over a church. And then under a husband's authority, you have a wife. And then under that authority, you have little children. You know, if everything is aligned properly, those little children are really protected, aren't they? Think about the children, how many lines of authority are covering them all the way up to the father. And God does that because he's trying to protect them. But people can go to church faithfully and still not really be under authority and not be protected. I'm trying to really hit home with that because just because somebody goes to church doesn't mean that their heart's right. It doesn't mean that they're properly aligned. I say this with a heavy heart, but I've seen people really get hit very hard by principalities and powers, wickedness in the heavenlies that really, really damaged them because they were not under authority. And that was the reason. So Ephesians 1.22, he put all things, now this is the Father referring here to Jesus. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Jesus is the headship of the church. And under that, Jesus has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers fivefold ministry that will be like a strong authoritative covering over the church world. And if people will come under that umbrella, there's great protection. And it's interesting when I look this up, you know, the apostle Paul, the gift and callings without repentance. So we know that Paul was called to be an apostle. We all know that. And the calling on his life to write scripture that we read today in the Bible, etc. And when Paul got saved, he had that dramatic encounter where he saw Jesus. He was thrown to the ground. He was blind. Um, he had to get prayer. The scales came off his eyes. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. And he tells us that he went off into the wilderness of Arabia to really pray and seek God for some time. Maybe he knew some people nearby that he could stay with periodically or whatever. 
But many believe, many scholars believe he went to Mount Sinai some and prayed. He got great revelation from God. But you know, when he came back, we read now in the book of Acts that Paul was, was in Antioch and he was in that local church, which was home fellowships back then. It was not a building with a whole bunch of people like we know today. But it was, this was a, a hub though. Antioch was kind of a hub of Christianity, a base for um, what God was doing. And Paul and Barnabas were there just among them, and they had devoted themselves to prayer and fasting. And there came a time, you can read this in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit spoke to those that were there in a prayer meeting and said, I want you to set apart Paul and Barnabas to the work to which I've called them. And so they did. They laid hands on them, prayed over them, sent them out. But Paul never, understand that Paul's ministry as an apostle was one to have a lot of authority. He was going to be writing scripture. He was going to be planting churches. And Paul did not start this ministry until he, the local church eldership laid hands and sent him out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Once that authority heard from God and the authority set them aside the authority prayed over them and sent them out. Then Paul began his great ministry that affected, affects us to this day. But it did not happen until it was under authority and sent out by authority. And the Bible says in these last days that there would be lawlessness. You know what lawlessness is? It's rebellion. It's rebellion. And it's rebellion against any authority. We're seeing children rebel against parents. We see people, you know, wives that don't submit to husbands. We see people in society not wanting to submit to um, pastoral authority. They go to school and don't want to submit to a teacher or a principal. They're out on the street. They don't want to submit to a cop. You know, it's just, it's just rebellion, lawlessness. And the thing is that through that, the earth is being prepared for the lawless one did you know that the antichrist there's several names you could give him like in the bible the assyrian there's a bunch of names i believe if i'm not mistaken there's actually over 30 that people have found that did a deep study but there's three main ones that the bible gives him the antichrist the son of perdition and then the lawless one society is being prepared right now for the lawless one to come to power that's why you see so much lawlessness and what did that pastor i met with what did he tell me he said it's almost impossible to pastor people in america because they want a democracy it's like a lawless environment in churches so we're commanded in the bible here's some four things i want to give you we are commanded number one to come under authority Number two, we're commanded to forgive others. Number three, we're commanded to repent of sin. And number four, we're commanded to love one another. And if somebody refuses to do those four things, they will have a lot of problems. Think about what I'm saying. We're commanded by the Lord to come under authority, to forgive other people that have wronged us, to repent of any sin in our lives, and to love one another. But if any person that's a Christian refuses to do any one of those four, they are going to have a lot of unnecessary problems in their lives. 
we have to be under authority we have to walk in forgiveness we got to repent of things and we got to love each other and most most ministers like myself that that are out there that are doing things like what I'm doing right now I've been in the ministry off and on in different capacities for over 20 years I've been on the streets a lot ministering I've helped with missions I've done everything in the church you can imagine I've worked with just about every age group and I've done a lot of different things been a part of very big churches been a part of very little ones and um, this is what God's called me to be doing right now but denominations are fine I don't have anything I'm not saying this from a negative perspective but denominations is a political thing and it's it's something that man has made and, and that's you know it is what it is it has its place but most people out there that are in the same position I am they they will say just as I will say that I didn't want to just have a political structure as a covering because politics and those type of things can only protect you so much I wanted to be under kingdom authority you hear what I'm saying there's a big difference and so <clears throat> I prayed about it and there's somebody that I call pastor that I came under his authority because I understand what I'm preaching to you I don't want some paper mache covering of people vying through politics to be in positions that are raised up by men I don't mean that to be critical but it's just the way it is that's not necessarily a really strong covering but when you have fivefold ministry true man of God that is a pastor there's authority there there's a covering all right so the anointing let's move now to this real quick take a, a very quick sidestep but God anointed Jesus to do what he did Acts 10 38 you know Jesus of Nazareth how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power and now he went around doing good, healing all oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So we know that Jesus was under authority, and so there was a flow of anointing through his life. Let me tell you that if you come under kingdom authority, you'll pray about it. In the day and age we live, people better pray about where they're going and that they're under a good covering. Because I don't want to live in the last days and be vulnerable. I don't want my family vulnerable. I want people to be protected. So we need to hear from God. But when people are under kingdom authority and it's really right, it goes from the father to the son, from the son to a strong male authority, like a pastor. And then you have a husband, then you have under that a wife, and then you have children. When people are in that line of authority and they're where God's put them, they're not just going to minister and be used of God in their own personal little anointing. But when they're used of God, they're going to be used of God with the authority and the anointing of their headship. That's why I felt, you know, my wife has, has been under authority with me. And she'll go do certain things, like, for example, she preaches in prisons and stuff like that. But I'll always anoint her with oil and pray over her before she goes. But she does not go just in her own anointing. She goes in the anointing and the authority of this entire ministry. You understand the difference? She's being sent out under authority. 
And because of that, she's protected. She comes back, she's safe, she's protected. She's not beat up by the dark forces that are trying to resist that ministry. So, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 3.11, we don't need to get away from this doctrine. I'm just going to put this like a little footnote in this sermon. But Matthew 3.11, as for me, I baptize you, this is John the Baptist, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who's coming after me is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In Luke 24.49, and behold, I'm sending you forth with the promise, uh, forth the promise of my Father, but you're to stay in the city, he's talking about Jerusalem, until you're clothed with power. So we see this is an important doctrine that I want to put in a footnote here. In the days of the Azusa Street Revival, God is about to open an effectual door for River of Life. Those that are here are here when it comes, but it's about to open and it's going to be significant. We need to be ready to move with God. I mean, it's going to probably be pretty quick, a lot of things. But when Azusa Street broke out, William Seymour and them had no idea what was to come. And him and around maybe a dozen African-American uh, people were praying in a house on Bonnie Bray Street. The Holy Spirit fell. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. But what you got to understand is that this was almost unheard of. What happened in a nutshell, I can't, you know, bog down on this, but Charles Parham had been preaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit in tongues, even though he himself had not experienced it. And let me say a side note there, it's important that we preach the word whether it lines up with our experience or not. And he started a school in Topeka, Kansas. There was a, a big place named Stone's Folly that somebody built and couldn't afford it. He ended up with it. And he was there, and I can't remember the lady's name. I think it was Agnes. I could be wrong. But anyway, they had a little Bible school there, and he was teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And a lady... I think her name was Agnes, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, and everybody was in awe because Charles Parham had not experienced this, but this was unheard of in this time. And this began a revival of sorts about, yes, tongues are for today. Yes, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a, a different work than being saved. This is something that God did to this woman here. And so Charles Parham had such a yearning in his heart for more of God that back in Houston he would sit outside the classroom because they had segregation laws he would sit outside the classroom and listen to Charles Parham teach and he yearned for that he wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he went to Los Angeles and he began to minister at a church and whenever you preach the word some people don't like it and he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they ran him out and so he didn't have a church I mean literally he was the pastor they run him off and so he goes to a house and begins to pray for five, five, six, seven hours a day, seeking God for a move of his spirit. And that's, that's, you know, the beginning of history. The Holy Spirit falls on Bonnie Bray Street. But God used the Azusa Street Revival to bring back the baptism in the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ. But what I want you to understand, and don't ever forget this, is the price that people that have paid that's gone before us. The people that received... God did as he always does. He picked the, the black community, which was oppressed by Jim Crow laws. These were people that were financially poor. They lived on the other side of the tracks. God picked those people 
to send a revival that shook the world and still affects me and you today. And he, he always does that. He moves among the humble. And God sent a revival there in Azusa Street that brought back to the body of Christ the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Tongues, where people now had a prayer language. The gifts were now being in operation with great power. There were people in the Azusa Street revival had strong gifts of healing. Pray for the sick that come in, totally heal, etc. But they brought that back to the body. But what I want you to understand, and please don't forget this, is that they paid a price. They were mocked. They were made fun of. They were ostracized. The early Pentecostals couldn't get jobs. Some of them lost their jobs because they were called a bunch of holy rollers, a bunch of fanatics, and they were persecuted. But they refused to give up. And they stayed true to the Baptist Holy Spirit. They stayed true to that. And thankfully for them, out of that, we have um, this restored move of the Spirit even today. But don't forget those that's gone before us because they were persecuted. You know, I don't think that any of us can really appreciate how much, how difficult that would be. You know, you go to a restaurant and people are looking at you and whispering about you. You, you, you know, your job, people are making fun of you, etc. And so they really went through it. But anyway, I say that to say this. There's three different baptisms, if you will. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, when you accept Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. You're born again. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. This is a new birth. Okay, this is the first baptism, if you will. But this is a new birth. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because it's totally different than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then you have a second baptism. This is water immersion. But then you have a third baptism, and this is Matthew 3.11. John said, I baptize with water, but he who's coming after me, Jesus, he will baptize you into the Holy Spirit and fire. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, once you accept Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. You're born again. You are a new creation. You're a different person. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus baptizes you into the Holy Spirit. There is a clothing of power. There is a filling to overflowing of the Holy Spirit. There is a prayer language that you're going to have in tongues. And the gifts are going to be in operation. And basically, if I could say it this way, this is really the introduction to now you moving in the supernatural in Christianity. That is where you're no longer an outer court dweller, but you pass through that veil to the holy place. It's like going into a totally different dimension. And it's really sad that a lot of places don't, you know, even now, if I could say this, even now there's a lot of places that historically their, their denomination or whatever was Pentecostal, but you're not going to see in a lot of places anymore. You're not going to hear tongues. You're not going to see the gifts in operation. You're not going to see altar calls. You're not going to see God moving in a powerful way. You're not going to see these things. And why? Because Pentecost is being ignored and being um, removed out of the midst of many places. Did you hear what I said? Let me say that again. A lot of places, even though historically their denomination was Pentecostal, you're not going to see tongues, the gifts. 
You're not going to see altar ministry. You're not seeing the supernatural. I'll never understand why people get so caught up with this stuff about if it offends somebody. The Bible says tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. Did you know that? Look that up. Did you know the Bible says tongues is a sign for the unbeliever? And it grieves me how many places are just totally, completely, 100% trying to just please man in every possible way. Let's not offend anybody. Anything, anything we say, anything we do, we got to make sure everybody's happy. Man, Galatians, Paul said, if I, I could not be a bondservant of Christ if I lived to please men. We got to get over that. Some people, bless their heart, they need to get offended and then they need to get over themselves and then they need to grow up and be a man or a woman and grow up and mature. All right, then we have the gifts. There's three categories of the gifts. The Father, this is just something that I feel and others feel, but Romans 12, 6 through 8 seems to be the gifts that God the Father gives when somebody accepts Christ as their Savior, they're born again. You know, you have the gifts of administration, encouragement, serving, teaching, things like that. It's like local church stuff. And then you have the gifts of the Son, Jesus. Ephesians 4.11, the five-fold ministry. And then you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit gifts. And there's nine, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have three vocal tongues, interpretation and prophecy. You have three that are <clears throat> revelatory. Words of knowledge, words of, he, uh, words of uh, knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Then you have three power gifts, faith, healing, and the working of miracles. So these, these are there but a lot of people are sticking around Romans 12 they serve they give they administrate they do different things and that's fine but you're not seeing a lot of people go any further than that where's the gifts the fivefold ministry in a lot of places where where are the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation I just want to put that as a footnote now let me kind of move to a close about a religious spirit the religious spirit is really deadly. The religious spirit creates a stronghold of death. And a religious spirit is what is really keeping out the baptism in the Holy Spirit in a lot of places. Did you all hear what I said? The religious spirit is the one that's, that's keeping out the baptism of the Holy Spirit, keeping out tongues, keeping out the gifts, keeping out the supernatural. And it's got everybody all caught up about who's going to get offended by what. And that religious spirit creates a structure in the spirit realm, a stronghold of death, spiritual death and physical death. And where there's a strong man, many times people don't get answered prayers until they bind the strong man let me give you a story there was a preacher that I, I really love and he was saying that his family are Christians and when they come together he has a very large family but he noticed over the last couple this was years ago when he was telling it but he said he noticed over the last couple times they got together at the holidays that it just seemed like something wasn't quite right in the spirit it didn't seem as joyful. It didn't seem as loving. It just, something wasn't quite right. And so he began to ask the Lord about what the problem was. And the Lord told him, in the middle of the night, he woke up and God spoke to him about it and told him 
that there's a strong man and I don't remember exactly it seemed like it had something to do with maybe religious pride or religiosity or something like that and so he said well thank you Lord for telling me and he took authority he said in Jesus name well first off Lord forgive us forgive me for any of that forgive us as a family he got the sin washed away but then he said I bind that strong man when he did he said he really felt something you know break right there and he said that that year when the holidays came and all this family came together it was totally different it was like it used to be there was just a joy everybody was loving everybody was happy it broke something and so many times people are living frustrated because they're not getting answers to certain prayers and they don't know why but when you're properly aligned under authority the way you should be and things are really right with God you can bind up these strong men and the strong men of religion has really oppressed a lot of people let me say again it has to do with death it has to do with spiritual death they'll be in a dry place spiritually but it has to do with physical death they usually have stubborn health problems and so Matthew 16 6 Jesus said be careful be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees he's talking about that they teach religion and it's a religious thing that's not good it was um, just from that religious perspective Jesus called the Pharisees blind guides and so let me give you some things about religion number one I don't want to get away from this it is extremely important that we are under the right covering and in proper alignment with the body and not in rebellion that there's a flow of blessing a flow of anointing a flow of answered prayers there's a covering of protection over us and our family because whenever people are not they can still go to church but when they're not under authority and they're not right them and their family and their finances their health is vulnerable you hear what I'm saying I'm trying to help people I want people to be protected all right so here's a religious spirit we have a stronghold if you will in this region that's been here for years I call it religious witchcraft just like you have a quarter you have the head and tails you have two sides you have religion and you have witchcraft together two sides but it's the same coin they work together the religious is a religious spirit but the witchcraft has to do with Jezebel man let me tell you that has been rampant in this region in the past but I'm believing for great revival I really am and God's gonna break some things open so let me give you some things about religion real quick and we're gonna start moving to a close here but religion is has to do with unrighteous judgment criticism a re, somebody has a religious spirit has a very difficult time being able to be in church or be around the things of God whether they're watching it on TV or they go somewhere, they have a very difficult time not sitting back and being judgmental. They notice so much negative. They have a tendency to be critical. And they're judgmental toward the preacher or maybe the worship team or whatever. But they had a very hard time with that. They have a very hard time not being that way. It's a religious spirit. And let me just tell you guys, write that down if you've dealt with that and pray about that. But don't be somebody that is going around being judgmental, critical of everything. God's called us to all be different. 
And just because people are different than River of Life, um, they may be right in the middle of what God's called them to do. And so we need to be careful how we judge, okay? The second thing is, is pride. This is really the root. Um, I just heard a, a Bible scholar, an incredible teacher of the word, talk about how much God hates pride. And he was saying that if you look at pride in the Bible, he said it seems to be the mother of all other sins. It seems to be the root. And he was talking about how leaven will cause the bread to swell. And he said it's a type of pride. And that's true. But pride definitely is a door for a religious spirit. And pride about status. People that are prideful, they're care, they care too much about what other people think. Therefore, they're not free in their praise and worship. They live in a, in a place of they don't really want to get touched by God and fall on the ground. They don't want to look maybe to another person silly. They, they're overly conscientious about things. Um, that's pride. That's pride about status. It's caring too much about what people think. Who cares what people think? Let me tell you something. Even if you're doing things a certain way that this one person is like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're doing things great. Another person is going to think you're a weirdo. Quit living to please people. You're never going to be able to make everybody happy anyway. Who cares what people think? All right, another thing is a religious spirit in somebody will make them very uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit, the gifts, and manifestations. Somebody's over there groaning and travailing in the spirit, praying in tongues. Another person may be shaking on the ground. Somebody has a religious spirit, man, that's like nails going down a chalkboard. They can't stand it. It is such an irritant to them. That's a religious spirit. Outburst of anger or fearful controlling behavior. They don't understand why, but they will burst out in a conversation you're having with somebody that has a religious spirit. You'll be just having a normal conversation. All of a sudden you get on tongues or revival or something and they'll they'll burst out with an angry lashing out at that that's a religious spirit fearful controlling behavior they're afraid they want to keep everything under man's control a religious spirit does not want god to be in control god the holy spirit they want man to be in control and i'll never forget one of one of this example is hilarious but i was at a rodney Howard brown meeting back in uh, years ago and we were in Rockwall at this church. And, I mean, you never know because you have people come from every type of background. I mean, you have people that are totally unchurched. They don't know how to act. I mean, it's like sticking their finger in a light socket, except it's wonderful. And next thing you know, some of them don't know how to act in church, and they go running around. But anyway, Rodney was, was preaching, and the Holy Spirit just fell. I mean, hard. You got people falling out of their pews, people laughing hysterically. And one guy was doing cartwheels or something, I don't know. And Rodney's just shaking his head. And he said, he said, well, we want the Holy Spirit to come. We can't get upset when he comes. <laughs> and uh, I got to think I was laughing because I was, you know, because, you know, it reflects on him when people are acting all crazy. But, but he was, he don't, I don't think he cares anymore. But you think about it, though, he's just standing there. But the Holy Spirit falls, and the Holy Spirit is doing all of this. And it seems like man is out of control because man is and man should be. But if you'll trust God 
at the end of the service all of a sudden it's testimony time this person had a tumor that disappeared this person got off the ground and used to have homosexual tendencies now they're totally free from it you see what i'm saying testimonies start rolling in the result of all that holy <laughs> chaos it seemed like you know but they don't like god being in control a religious spirit wants man in control we're going to do this then we're going to do this in 10 minutes then we're going to do this and if there's any type of holy spirit activity shut that down now remove them out it's man in control it's very oppressive to the holy spirit and a religious spirit will cause people to mock and blaspheme the things of god they'll look at things like that and they'll mock they'll laugh and they don't realize that they think that they're mocking that person on the ground or they're mocking that preacher but they are mocking the holy spirit and they will be judged for that one day and if they're not careful they could even go so far as to blaspheme the holy spirit and say that he's a demon and that his works are demonic so i don't know where god draws the line there but you read it for yourself in matthew 12 i think 32 somewhere around there the jesus himself said if you speak against me it'll be forgiven but if you speak against the holy spirit it won't be forgiven that is the words of jesus christ in the bible verbatim so all right and also the structure of spiritual and physical death which i mentioned a focus on outward a religious spirit focuses too much on outward legalism the do's and don'ts which have their place but the holy spirit wants us to focus more on the relationship you'd cultivate a relationship and the result of the relationship is a changed life the religious spirit wants you to just completely focus on do's and don'ts it's outward see the holy spirit wants to change your heart and clean you from the inside out a religious spirit there'll be no heart change at all it's just an outward change jesus said about the pharisees they're whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones it's an outward thing without an inward change a religious spirit is about formality ritual and dead worship formality ritual dead worship unfortunately we see that a lot of places across all denominations they come in and have a dead ritual every week the holy spirit's not moving and it's sad there's no life how many knows where the holy spirit comes there's life there's life all right also always going backward a religious spirit will always be trying to get people to go back to things like a king james version or they need to be singing hymns from a hundred years ago or you're not spiritual they're always talking about yesterday's revivals back in the days of Finney, but they don't like the revivals today it's like israel always loved their dead prophets but they hated the ones that were alive putting their finger in their face saying repent it's always going backward remember the pharisees jesus said you say that if we lived in the days of the prophets we wouldn't have killed them you know jesus said you know and think about how ridiculous that would be in the mind of jesus he's jesus is thinking to himself you want to kill me right now as a matter of fact you're going to be allowed to see me killed on the cross but yet you're saying if we lived in the days of the prophets we wouldn't have killed them you know 
counterfeit religion a religious spirit offers a counterfeit counterfeit revelation and a counterfeit energy if you will a false anointing what is holiness what is righteousness it starts in the heart but the religious spirit it's all about the outward appearance appearing to be holy to men somebody will come to church and act so holy whatever that means to that church the way they pray they'll get up and use big words you know they'll seem so spiritual but then they'll go home and beat their wife you see what I'm saying also fellowship of the Holy Spirit we need the fellowship of the Spirit to help us understand the ways of God but a religious spirit will try to counterfeit that the religious spirit is a real spirit but it's manipulating people's minds and emotions it's a deception also pet doctrines and traditions of men will be very strong and finally the teaching of the Pharisees so let me give these last two points here religion I just want you to understand that once we're in proper alignment you have to be willing to really pray about these things because some people they have not got a breakthrough they've prayed about something and maybe it's left and come back or whatever that is whether it's a financial thing or maybe it's in a relationship they're praying about their relationship or maybe it's health or maybe it's a stubborn sin that has seemed to go away and come back and it's like there's this stronghold and they're frustrated because they've been praying and asking God for victory and yet they seem to get a temporary victory but it comes back and they don't understand why does this keep happening this sermon tonight I believe could really help people if they'll be what James said to be hearers and doers of the word but if people will really repent and make sure that they're truly under a covering for real not just going to church but really under a covering there'll be a level of protection come there'll be an authority come that is bigger than them I don't want to try to just function under my little sphere of authority I want to connect with kingdom authority going down from the father to the son from the son to some kind of a strong male authority that I'm connected to and then do you see what I'm saying I don't want just my authority alone I want to really be connected and I want I want to be connected to an anointing greater than my own hello you're probably not, not going to get that in a denomination I'm not saying that in a mean way because I love them I, I hope this didn't sound critical to denominations because I don't have that in my heart but it's still it's a political structure kingdom authority is different so once you're under authority for real then also you can pray about the sin but I feel as I'm preaching tonight that a religious spirit has been a strong man that some people need to bind it has been a strong man in the spirit realm that has resisted their prayers and once they really repent and ask forgiveness and get cleansed of that they can bind up that strong man but this is a strong man that's going to be hard to bind if you're out of authority if you're not properly under authority does that make sense by being properly aligned under authority you have authority greater than you that you can bind up the strong man 
So this has been a strong man for some people. All right, here's the last two things. I may have to recap on these next week because when we get to the end of sermons, you know, people have heard so much. But why is the body in the shape that it's in today? The Bible says in Deuteronomy 27, 24, Cursed is he who strikes his neighbor in secret, and all the people say amen. Now, we know that many biblical scholars and those believe that if you go up and strike your neighbor, he's going to know you did it. So this is not like a physical violence. This is actually um, something you do behind their back. So like gossip, for example. And there's two, this comes from the Hebrew roots, um, sinat chinam, which is like a baseless hatred. And then the other one is loshon hara, which we've talked about, which is evil speaking. The reason the body is in the shape it's in, this is the result of a religious spirit is because of baseless hatred and evil speaking. Circle this and try to give me your best ear for just the last couple minutes. I'm closing this out. If you give me five more minutes. Baseless hatred and evil speaking. Baseless hatred is like Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel both brought an offering unto God, but one of their offering was accepted, the other rejected. So the whole problem with Cain and Abel was religion Cain came in a way religiously that God did not accept but Abel came the right way but the first murder that happened happened over religion and you see to this day Galatians says be careful about biting and, and, and you know attacking one another you're going to be devoured by one another to this day there's a baseless hatred from one group to the next in the body of Christ. This group hates this group, whether it's about ethnicity, whether it's about denominational differences, whatever it is, it's a baseless hatred that divides. It's a major problem. And you see behind that, it really is a spirit of murder that one person will want the downfall of another. That's a spirit of murder. And evil speaking gossip slander tail-bearing but they'll go around saying things maliciously to try to tear each other down and destroy other people whether they type it in a computer they speak it out loud however they go about it they write books it is it is evil speaking it's Loshan Hara and I'm gonna tell you with these two things baseless hatred and Loshan Hara there's a powerful curse in the Bible that comes on those people and a lot of times these very people will have a lot of bondage and and different difficulties spiritually in their own life and in their own family because of the way that they choose to live listen god has called the body of christ to be diverse and there's going to be people out there that are very different than me very different than you doesn't mean they're wrong it just means that god's called to do something different and to be different and so we need to be real careful about this religious spirit which thinks everybody needs to be like us there's a lot of denominations out there that feel like well, everybody needs to be like us, believe like us, have church like we do. That's a religious spirit. And we need to be real careful about this baseless hatred and this evil speaking. The last thing I would just say is a deep consecration. I'm going to recap on this because I want you guys to really get these two points. You can always tell when you get to the end of the sermon, man. It's just, as a preacher, you can feel it. it it's... It's winding down, man. All right. 2 Timothy 2.19. 
Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows who are his. How many knows that Jesus knows? There's churches all over the world full of people. Some of them are his, some of them aren't. They sit on the same pew, but Jesus knows who are truly his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, look, listen to this. Though. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now, flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace and those, um, with those who call upon the name, name of the Lord in pure heart. But did you notice that all of us as Christians... Paul is saying that we have the opportunity to be vessels of honor or to not be. But it has to, be with, has to do with cleansing. So in other words, somebody accepts Christ as their Savior, their sins are pardoned. They're born again. They're on their way to heaven. But that does not mean that their life is deeply sanctified, deeply consecrated unto God. Those are two different things. And so if that person will spend time humbling themselves in prayer, maybe do seasons of fasting, and really repent of things they need to. And also, there's these that I'll touch on. I'm going to get off of it. I'll touch on it next week more. But the blood, the communion table, the anointing with oil, the power of water immersion, the sanctifying ministry of the Holy Spirit, and the ministry of holy angels. Believe it or not, God said in Hebrews through the writer of Hebrews that um, the angels are ministering spirits sent to minister unto us as heirs of salvation. And Jesus, after he was tempted by the devil, the Bible says that angels were sent to minister to him. And if Jesus needed angelic ministry, we do. And so they're sent to minister. And I don't want to get into it, but you remember Joshua, and um, not the one who took Canaan, but Joshua the priest and Zechariah, an angel took off his dirty garments and put clean ones on it. And so they help in the ministry of God's people. So I'm closing with this right here, and y'all can put your notes up, just look this way. Let's make sure as revival is about to break out in River of Life, we're about to have an effectual door. We need to be ready to move with God. The prophecies that, that God gave me back in like 2015, 16 are coming to a close. This effectual door is about to open. Let's make sure that we are under authority and going to be protected. Let's make sure that we're under the proper covering the right way. And also that there's no religious spirit. Pray this through, that God forgive us of any aspect of religion and that that thing be bound. And once you bind the strong man, you can plunder his goods. That's where things are going to start changing in your life. And also, we're getting into a time of deeply consecrating your life unto God. And I can't tell you how powerful that is, but people have really been shocked when they've heard my wife's testimony because of how free she is. There's a lot of people that have her testimony that, that really have a lot of torment still in their life. And people remark, well, how, how would you get so free? I believe that the deep consecration has a lot to do with it. She's deeply consecrated her life. We've had seasons of prayer and fasting. We take communion regularly. I anoint her with oil. Um, you know, a couple times a year at least, we have church-wide water immersion. There's a deep consecration in these things. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of holy angels. But once you're deeply consecrated, you're protected. You're sealed off from a lot of that junk. All right. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. 
I'm going to have to bring a part two, I think, about this, but a lot of information. We'll go back over it. But, Lord, I thank you. I ask you to seal your word tonight and confirm it. I thank you, Lord, for your glory that I feel here tonight. I thank you for the Holy Spirit's anointing. And, Lord, I thank you for your word because, you know, the truth will set us free. And it's the word of God that brings the truth to us. And, Lord, I love you so much. And I thank you so much for your word and the power of your word to liberate us. And we bless you, Lord. Bring freedom and protection to your people in these last days that we live. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.